Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the companies they work for. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today we're going to be discussing reactive marketing. And reactive marketing is, simply put, using events in the news and news media as a launch pad for campaigns. And two experts are with us today to discuss this interesting form of marketing. And one of them is Gavin Llewellyn, who is a course director at CIM itself. Gavin, how are you today, sir? Okay, thank you. And thanks very much for having me along today. It's great to have you on the show. Gavin, I should say, is making his debut on the CIM Marketing Podcast. We're excited to have him. Another debutant is with us today. So we've got two debutants, and that is Johnny Tudderdom, who is a marketing executive also at CIM, a CIM double hit today from Moorhall. Johnny, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, good to be here with you both today. It certainly is. It's a fascinating topic. You know, reactive marketing, um, CIM have just run a poll on LinkedIn asking marketers whether they think that reactive marketing is a good way for brands to join conversations and respond to key issues. And a whopping 88% said it is always or sometimes a good idea, which really struck me that, you know, this is a big, big thing, isn't it, Gavin? That, you know, people really need to understand reactive marketing, how to do it, the right, and also, as I think we'll discuss later, the wrongs. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, reactive marketing is, you know, one of those elements of marketing that's been around for years in one form or another, whether that's PR or kind of more recently in social media. I quite like this definition from an agency in London called Don't Panic, which says that reactive marketing tends to piggyback on new stories current events or a national conversation, it is commonly thought of as an instantaneous reaction, usually in the form of owned content or social posts. And it's really just about how we kind of respond as brands to things that are happening that's then tied to what we do as brands to really make that impact through exactly channels like social media, but also through PR and through advertising. And I'm sure we'll kind of cover some examples today that really bring that to life. But yet it's that opportunity to react quite kind of uh, uh, quite instantly or with a little bit of thought just to kind of cultural moments other things that are happening in the news to really kind of get yourself out there it's interesting i mean it's not just social is it i mean that's probably where people see most reactions to news events from marketing teams is on social but it can be done through other media as well is that is that right yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, social media obviously being kind of so common and really the way of kind of tapping into the zeitgeist, you see that that's where it kind of takes off. You get that viral effect. Uh, but if we take examples like Specsavers, for, um, for example, uh, there's been things that have happened in the Oscars a few years ago where um, there was that big mistake where La La Land had won, but it was actually uh, another film. To me, it was Moonlight that had won. The La La Land yeah. team had got up, they made this mistake, and then Specsavers then immediately that evening had then said, you know, better go to Specsavers, and they mocked up some creative to do that. And, and then you've seen them do likewise when there's been a mistake in the World Cup or, or something like that as well. So what Specsavers have done really well is they've got this ability now to react very quickly, and they'll do that through social media, but they can also do it through uh, paid ads, for example, in newspapers, sometimes on billboards as well. So, yes, it doesn't just have to be social media. It can be PR. It could be advertising, billboards, and press. It was excruciating, wasn't it, the Oscars blunder? I mean, it really, really cashed in Specsavers, didn't they, there with that, with, the, with that quick reaction. And that's interesting, isn't it? The 
the form, the etymology of the word reactive is react. And to be able to react, you have got to act quickly, have you not? And that's one thing I was pondering is sort of in prepping for this show is that, you know, one of the things that marketers pretty much to a man and a woman in this country will tell you privately is that they don't always think that their organisations are footloose enough to react quickly and to make the most of these things. And I wondered if that was a big organisation thing that, you know, sometimes it's easier to be in an agency where you can quickly get stuff out there and worry about uh, perhaps the, the, the impact later, but at least get the message out there versus working in a big organisation where the approvals process can be onerous and can actually count against you being able to do this sort of stuff at times i think you're right i think that can definitely be an issue but i think a lot of it will come down to how you're set up as an organization how are you organized not only as the uh, the brand overall but particularly within the marketing teams and the agencies who you might be working with so if you are in an organization there's long approval processes it's perhaps quite um risk averse then you'll find it difficult to react quickly because you'll have to go through all those approval processes. You'll have a million different people looking at it and having an opinion. And that can be the case whether you're a small business or a large business. But if you're set up, if you've got the right type of brand values in place that everyone's clear on, tone of voice, you know what your brand stands for and what you are and are not going to be reacting to, I think you can respond quickly. And yeah, as I say, it just really comes down to how you're set up. An example of that would probably be Oreo. And there is that famous dunk in the dark uh, from years ago where the Super Bowl lights had gone out and Oreo were very quick to respond. They famously hadn't advertised in the Super Bowl and yet they got a big reaction off the back of it because they very quickly came out with this you know, message around you can still dunk in the dark. And having listened to uh, an interview with Jerry Dakin, he's quite a big uh, thought leader in the marketing space now anyway. He'd been working uh, for the company at the time, and he'd said that um, the way in which they were able to respond was largely because they had everything kind of set up to be able to react. They had the right kind of culture. They had the right agencies and creators in place so they could turn it out very quickly. But I've worked for organizations in the past where that would just be impossible because you would need those approvals. You'd need maybe compliance teams looking at it. You'd have different types of uh, what we call hippos, highest paid person's opinions getting involved. So, yeah, I'd say, yes, it can be difficult in a larger organization, but it then comes down to how you're kind of set up. And I think that's going to be the key. The Oreo example is brilliant, isn't it, Johnny? I mean, it's, it's an example of being fast, being footloose, saving you literally millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the cost of advertising at the Super Bowl is excruciating. I and mean, the, the cost per second, I mean, it's massive. But by being quick and fast, they got massive impact for very little outlay because they could react. Absolutely. And that's, as uh, Gavin was mentioning earlier, that's the benefit of having social media on hand is that, you have that uh, instant platform where whatever you publish is going up straight away and you can be there. It is almost first come, first serve, but that quality is going to see you rise to the top if you've got it. And uh, clearly in this case, Oreo did. Um, I think just what we were talking about a second ago in terms of, um, Gavin alluded to it, in terms of brands needing to know uh, who they are, what it is they're trying to achieve with reactive marketing. If you look at uh, Innocent, who did as a big organization, they they were able to react very, very quickly when a lot of the things they do on social media are geared up towards reacting to live TV. And I think a really big one that they've done successfully the past few years is with Great British Bake Off, which got a massive audience. And it's a lot of people using that hashtag, but they're able to get to the top using really clever 
messages, but also being authentic. I think that's something that is often left out with reactive marketing. We talk about uh, trying to do something that's going to sell our products and make us look good, but they always talk like the average person. It doesn't come across as this brand trying to sell you something. They're reacting in the same way that you or I would. Uh, and I think that's how they're really successful at making them just seem a likable brand. And that's going to make me want to buy from them. It's interesting. That's a brilliant example. Brilliant example. Yes, you say you've got you've got your audience captured by someone else. In this case, the the nation's bakers, who run into millions. And if you get it right, you get your messaging right, you can get a massive impact for your brand. But it is an art form. It's an art form that has to be done well. It has to be done precisely, and it has to be done quickly. And when you are doing things quickly, when you are living on the wire mistakes can happen can they not Gavin and there are risks associated with this stuff are there not yeah there are risks there's obviously the benefits which we we, we kind of touched upon already but I think some of the main risks that I would probably highlight would be you know first of all the brand reputation associated with getting things wrong so if you for example haven't got a clear strategy you don't know how you're going to respond to things you don't really know perhaps what those kind of cultural touch points are then there is that danger first of all of rushing things getting things out there that are rough they're not quite ready and you can appear for example amateurish and that can have a real kind of brand impact there but a worst case scenario could be where you just get the tone wrong completely. And there was that example from Cinnabon in the US when Carrie Fisher had died. And they came out with probably good intentions to a large extent with an image of Carrie Fisher with the cinnamon. And there was the bun for the you know famous buns from her hair. They quickly took that down because they just misjudged it. They tried to you know, tap into a cultural moment, but it just looked exploitative. And that had a big yeah. impact there. So they had to really kind of backtrack. So... I'd say one of the big risks is, is that kind of brand reputation element. The other risk that we need to be conscious of is missed opportunities. So, you know, you know, putting aside the kind of the brand reputation, if you're not keeping an eye on what's trending, you've not got the right social listening set up. You, again, don't really know kind of where you fit within, uh, you know, the overall kind of zeitgeist to what's happening. There is that, you know, uh, risk that you'll miss out on opportunities or just react to too slowly and I think one of the the worst things you can do in reactive marketing is to kind of be late to the party because it just looks like you're just not on the ball and you're just trying to jump on the bandwagon as opposed to really lead so you really want to be a leader and you want to get in there quick do you have to be first do you always have to be first or do you just have to be in the leading pack for this stuff to work I would say probably the latter. Being in the leading pack, I think, is key. You don't always have to be first out of the blocks. If you are and you're very quick to do that, I think you can get the, the, the first mover advantage, so to speak. Uh, but you don't need to be absolutely first. I think probably in that the leading pack is going to be key. It's those that are kind of struggling at the end that look like, oh, yes, this might be something to join in on. It just looks a little bit sad. So I think, yeah, you would want to be kind of quick, but you don't always have to be immediately first. And that probably kind of ties into another risk, which is just around kind of wasted budget, because if you do get it wrong and you haven't got those processes, you haven't got that kind of clear vision about when or when you're not going to react, you could end up spending money that's not going to have the impact that you want it to. You're going to miss the mark, you know, aside from all that, you know, you've wasted time and money on something that could have been done better had you maybe set yourself up for success. How do you make those sort of cases to the powers that be, the hippos, as, as Gavin so aptly called them earlier, the, the highest paid person's opinion? Um, 
if you're in an agency or if you're in a big organisation, you want to become more reactive, Johnny. How do you go about making the case for this stuff? Because it, it, it is an inherently, as I say, risky pursuit to some degree because you're doing things so quickly. But it can, as we've seen, have lots of impact with minimal budget. Yeah, it certainly can. I think you've just got to decide first and foremost, do we have organisational backing to do this? And looking at what we want to achieve out of doing so. And then it's all about being brave, really, isn't it? If you look at um, a great example, I think, is Ryanair. And they are in um, that industry, the only one I can see that do this sort of reactive marketing to a very high level, whereby I've seen so many Ryanair posts as a result of their reactive marketing, where they will just post something uh, in relation to a complaint that they've received, which typically would be a negative thing for brands. And they've twisted it into a positive by coming up with some witty response that people can get behind i've seen so many ryanair posts i don't think i've seen anything from ba or these other big leaders in that field but i see a lot from ryanair uh, and they know their audience they know exactly who they're talking to so they adapt their tone of voice to relate to those people and um they they, they do get a laugh on social media and um for something like that it sounds so mundane uh just it's flights at the end of the day um, but they make it work with this 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 humour side of things. Another Irish example, which is um, uh, Paddy Power, which mm-hmm. is, to your point, Johnny, I think Ryanair do it brilliantly. And, you know, Paddy Power have kind of made their presence off the back of reactive marketing. It's just crucial to everything they do with what's happening in football, what's happening in other sports with really quite funny, sometimes very subversive responses to things. So, yeah, exactly to your point, just to completely agree, Johnny, um, having that kind of ability to react and then creating that kind of acceptance, this is about who you are, I think really works. Yeah, and I think um, with Paddy Power, the reason why that's so strong for them is because advertising uh, as a betting agency is so tainted these days and there's so much uh, awareness around gambling and the dangers of it that it's really difficult to organically uh, create a, a good brand for yourself just through the products. So what they've done is they've turned it completely differently uh, and they're looking at football as the whole and all sports really, they do such a range of activity, but it's their football stuff uh, where there's this lighthearted side of the content. Uh, it kind of takes away from the sharpness of gambling and makes them far more likable. Uh, so it's really very clever how they get away with coming across as a likable company, despite what they do. I'm not a gambler myself yet. Yeah, I'm fully aware of Paddy Power and it's because of that. Yeah, definitely. The two Irish examples that you've given both share something, which is this irreverence of themselves and the industry in which they work in, which appeals, I think, to the consumer. I mean, Ryanair, for example, a lot of its reactive marketing, as you say, it will twist a complaint, which is usually about their service or the fact their planes are noisy or it's a rush, to remind people that the reasons they get this is because they're dirt cheap compared to their competitors. So all that Michael O'Leary is telling them to do is every time you get someone moaning about our service, use it as a platform to remind uh, uh, the world that we're much cheaper than anybody else. And it works brilliantly because people, nobody goes on the Ryanair flight to travel in luxury. The reason people go on a Ryanair flight is A, because it's the cheapest operator on that route, or B, is sometimes the only operator that's even bothering covering that route. So he, he the social media uh, reactive campaigns work brilliantly there and Paddy Power as you say is similarly irreverent about itself and its industry and will take the Michael about itself and and, and sports teams and things that have happened particularly in the world of football that uh, people can uh, laugh about so it's absolutely brilliant work that they do in this space as I say it is a real real art form not everyone can be that though 
no, everybody is at that standard now. Perhaps they can get there as a future. If you're trying to train yourself and your teams as marketers, Gavin Llewellyn, and you should know this as a course director at CIM, where's your starting point? If you want to bring this tool, this amazingly powerful, potentially powerful tool into the mix, where are your starting points? I've got a, a few kind of maybe do's and don'ts that, that could help in this regard. I think, first of all, is having a clear marketing and brand strategy with a consistent tone of voice and values that you can sit behind. And the reason that that's going to be important is that if you know who you are and you know your audience, then you're already going to be starting to kind of create that kind of psychological space uh, as an organization about where you can and cannot get involved and that, that that would then link to those points we discussed earlier about having the right processes the right sign-offs and just the structure in, in order to get that right the other thing i think that brands would need to do is to be proactive to be reactive so yes when we see these reactive examples and we've talked about great ones from from paddy power to um to spec savers and everyone else what they will have is they will have a calendar. They will know what's coming up, for example. They'll know, for example, in Paddy Power's uh, case, you know, the big matches that are happening. And they've already got an idea about maybe some of the things they can start to kind of react off the back of. But the Oreo example we gave before, they were set up, they were ready, they were already you know, proactive in the sense that they knew where they were going to go. So be proactive, really think about how you're going to set yourself up and when those moments might be that you actually want to kind of jump off the back of. And then finally, um, not finally, but the other kind of top tip for kind of getting started would be identifying the right topic. So we talked before about that kind of cultural sensitivity, how it kind of aligns with your brand. What are the topics that you want to be bouncing off of? And there'll be some areas that you won't want to go into where it just misaligns with what you stand for, but then others where it will kind of be fair game. Um, an example I'll give is at Nationwide Building Society, where I'd worked previously, we did go through kind of a phase of getting involved in things, not controversially, but probably areas that weren't related to um, financial services. And it just fell a little bit flat. But actually, when we started to get more involved in what was happening, you know, from a financial perspective in terms of house prices or, for example, what's happening with savings, that had a much kind of better fit overall. So I would say, yeah, have a clear vision strategy, be proactive uh, to be reactive and be clear on the kind of the topics and areas where you want to get involved. Are there any red line areas, do you think, Johnny, where people should just say, this is not an area that we should ever go into? I mean, there was an example earlier in the show about Cinnabon trying to be reverent, trying to, to, to celebrate her life with Carrie Fisher, but it just didn't work because it's somebody died and so on and so forth. Are there areas where we should just say, as a starting point, these are places that we just don't want to be going into with our reactive marketing? Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to vary depending on which organization you are uh, and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, another example, as you were just mentioning, there is um, Crocs when they did a similar thing uh, when David Bowie died. Uh, and you think when it's someone that's really popular as a celebrity like that has passed away, then that's, you know, you can't be making light of it because that's just never going to go down well. Uh, mm -hmm. Another thing I think for people to be cautious of this year uh, is generally around the King's coronation. You know, is that relevant to your brand? Are you going to be uh, appropriate in your messaging? Uh, and th there's many other examples like um, politics is is another uh, really good example. Brewdog last year when Boris Johnson was uh, uh, leaving, shall we say, um, and they did a poll and you could vote uh, to name one of their uh, beers and it was all going to be around Boris Johnson. Uh, and that's 
you know, it was all very um, tongue in cheek. It was, it was very cheeky, uh, the, these options. It's just quite dangerous because you're going to split your audience between whether they think it's a good idea or not. And that's what a lot of the comments are going to be rather than actually participating in naming your beer. So I think there's got to be a lot of caution. And that's where it's all of this approval uh, process internally to decide whether it's a good idea or not. Uh, and if it matches up with your brand and your brand identity, uh, because that's where it's, it's really going to have an impact. Completely agree. I think politics, those kind of areas just to be wary of. I think the brew dog, dog example is kind of key going back to that other point around knowing who you are as a brand. Similar to, again, to Paddy Power and Ryanair we talked about. They've kind of created this space where they are edgy. And I think a lot of other organisations, if they were to stray into that territory, could slip up, but they get away with it. And also, they're not afraid of being controversial. They did it during the World Cup as well, where they made a big announcement around the fact that, um, you know, they objected to Qatar. Yet it was found out that they were showing the games in their pubs and they've actually dealt with the um, the Qataris in other areas. But I think because they knew their audience, they know who they are they generated brand salience. So they came front of mind in terms of how they, you know, polled uh, the way in which people react to their brand. But that's because they kind of know who they are. And I think other brands trying that without having that clear, clear background could slip up. Um, so, yeah, I um, I definitely agree on those points in terms of areas to be wary. <laughs> I would say, though, it does go too far sometimes. And even if you are a brand who knows who they are, that that sometimes isn't enough. I always think back to the Burger King example from a few years ago uh, where they were going for reactive marketing uh, to kick off a whole campaign, which was for a really good cause, uh, which they decided to land on um, International Women's Day. And their opening tweet was women belong in the kitchen, which immediately they've done it to cause outrage to get people to look into the comments where they would see Oh, Birkin are actually doing loads of great stuff to try and get women into the cooking industry, to work in restaurants uh, and to actually give them an opportunity. But it's just never going to land well when you've got messaging like that. And Burger King are well known for their reactive marketing and going for these potentially risky approaches. But that one was just a step too far. And well, quite rightly so, because it is just such an outrageous lead message to go with. And eventually they had to uh, delete the post and issue an apology. Uh, so, you know, there, there is one thing committing to reactive marketing and saying we accept that this is going to be tough, but then there has to be a line somewhere. And you know, I think Burger King in that case were the wrong side of the line. Yeah, that's an interesting example, isn't it? There's fast food industry generally has had some interesting examples. Didn't KFC mm. get into a little bit of hot water or uh, uh, mix my metaphors there? But didn't KFC get into some sort of trouble uh, with a, a reactive marketing campaign, I seem to remember? If it's the uh, the apology campaign, it was actually the other way around. So uh, famously during the uh, the pandemic, they had run out of chicken, which was obviously a, a major kind of yeah. um, problem yeah. for a, a chicken brand. And so there was already uh, a lot of kind of negative ill will that was building up. But what KFC did quite cleverly is they actually reacted to that by coming out with this apology, by saying we basically messed up. And they obviously changed the lettering from KFC to FCK. And they created uh -huh. um, a statement that kind of said, look, you know, we've messed up. It's a problem here. And it really turned the tide, actually, because then suddenly they were just open. They were honest about the mistakes. They were clear about what they were going to do next. And it turned the tide in terms of sentiment. So I think that's an example, again, of a brand that kind of knows who they are. Um, they've been kind of going through this 
evolution over time to kind of change the perception of who of who they are as a brand and um yeah it really worked to their advantage because people thought yeah actually at the end of the day it's not life or death yes they've run out of chicken but it'll come back and it really helped in terms of building that kind of goodwill towards them that's interesting isn't it there's a few watchwords your authenticity is one the other one that was interesting to me is being proactive to be reactive make sure you've got your ducks in the row you know what how your process is going to work when you have to react and also know your red lines. You know, there are areas where it's just never going to work out uh, making uh, sexist comments, even if below the uh, line they're not sexist or the opposite of sexist, trying to kick campaigns off people's death, even if you're trying to be sensitive and actually uh, celebrate their lives, is probably not going to work. But even if you do all of these things, Johnny and Gavin, do you as marketers have to accept that if you're going to do this stuff, you have to have an appetite for some degree of risk yeah i think absolutely and i'm sure marketers going into it will have support um knowing that there is going to be some speed bumps along the way you know it's not all going to be uh easy uh and you'll see that with some of the examples we said about with ryanair for example not all of their their posts that are meant to be funny land well uh, and that's that's just part of it um but i think organizations and marketers will look at other examples of where it has landed well, uh, if you think about Aldi, for example, who weren't doing so well in a very competitive field, when you think of the likes of Tesco, Sainsbury's and all of these others that that dominate um, that, that food shopping industry. Um, but since they've really gone into uh, reactive marketing head on and kind of led the way in that industry, um, their, their, their growth has been absolutely enormous. And obviously there are other factors as uh, as part of that but um something that they've really done well with reactive marketing is increase their brand loyalty uh, and i th- always think back to the um colin the caterpillar versus cuthbert the caterpillar ah, example yes. from when mns started uh taking yeah. legal action against aldi for their uh cuthbert yeah. impersonation of um colin and how aldi did turn that negative situation where they're facing legal action into a massive positive for them where they're getting a lot of uh, interest. Obviously, that's just one element of it. But they're also raising awareness of uh, other companies who are also doing this caterpillar cake that look very similar. Uh, but it's Aldi that's the one that's in trouble. Uh, so they're kind of helping out on that legal side as well as uh, the marketing side of things. Um, but they've also turned themselves into they're starting off as villains, the ones that are being uh, faced with this legal action, to kind of being the heroes of the people because they're posting so much good content around uh, just a caterpillar cake, uh, so much so that they released that the new version where the little packaging had all of the, the jail cell, um, the gates <laughs> on on uh, his little box, which is fantastic. Uh, but they managed to, to turn that into one where they would release this special edition cake and all of the profits would go towards charity. And they started to look really good as a result of this. Uh, and you can see how that's enticing for organisations where you can see what you can do when you're in a bad spot and uh, coming out of it with a lot more followers, big brand growth and uh, that customer loyalty. Uh, and I think it's word of mouth as well, because people were talking about that for absolutely ages afterwards and still remember it now uh, really fondly. And uh, Aldi came out of it looking pretty good. Indeed, I think Caterpillar Wars was a, was an example of the, the the stunt benefiting both sides of the equation. I'm sure that 
Caterpillar sales in uh, Audi and indeed in Marks and Sparks both rose due to the amount of publicity both companies got, which is a brilliant example of being irreverent in the right ways and, uh, you know, trying to turn a crisis into an opportunity, which is, of course, what a lot of reactive marketing actually is. Gavin Llewellyn, we want people to come and join you on your course um, and tell their bosses and uh, marketing leaders that the potential of this stuff, presumably um, there are plenty of opportunities for them to do so. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's part of how we we think about how we're going to approach uh, our plans for the year, uh, what the kind of big events might be that we want to be a part of. I think it should form an, an element of our of our strategies. I think some of the big opportunities that I would I would say I just kind of pick three. Um, first one is obviously brand awareness. You can build that awareness exactly to the uh, examples that we've been sharing today, getting in front of a large kind of connected audience around, you know, a big uh, topic that's being talked about can be great because you can start to trigger that more awareness off the back of who you are. Uh, if you can make sure that you are, you know, early uh, out the door, for example, you can then start to uh, get that first mover advantage that we talked about and, and connect yourself with that kind of live moment. And of course, you can start to increase engagement off the back of that as well. Um, yep. You know, social media is a lot less two way than it used to be, but you can start to get to that point. There was that famous, you know, Weetabix and Beans um posts that went viral and it did genuinely kind of go viral they had this picture of the beans on the Weetabix and suddenly had all these other brands kind of taking part there was this banter that was created off the back of it and that generated you know real engagement and conversation you know I was you know colleagues coming up saying well what do you reckon about this and what do you think and it, it really did spark interest um and related to that you can start to increase relevance and relatability as well so those kind of hyper contextual kind of content moments can really start to resonate with audiences and start to um, hopefully kind of increase increase that appeal. Um, if you wanted to connect with a new audience, a younger audience, for example, this could be a good way of moving into that space. We talked about um, Ryanair earlier and, and Paddy Power finding that edge. That's a really good example that brands that have done that. So yeah, I would definitely recommend to anyone that's joining my courses, for example, to really consider this is, is kind of part of their marketing planning. Yeah, be relevant, be authentic, be clever, yes. be quick, and the rewards will come to you. Gentlemen, what a great show, some fantastic examples and really great insights. So thank you both for your time and for those insights. And I really hope that you'll join us back again on the show very soon. Um, that's Johnny Tunnenden, Marketing Executive at CIM, and Gavin Llewellyn, who's Course Director also at CIM. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great. Thank you Thanks very much. It's been great to be here and great to speak to you both. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM Marketing Podcast. <laughs>